0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Twilight After Show. With me, of course, is my co-producer, Carl Wiggers, as well as Kristen Oaks and Avery Davidson. Kristen Oaks solo anchored this week because Avery had a special assignment, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a continuation of last week's show. Um, we talked to Eddie Rasponi, who got to us after our production was done the previous week. Uh, it's two weeks ago now, and um, decided he wanted to be a part of the twilight Show, so Avery went out and did an interview with him, or he came here, really.
1: Yeah, he came over to the Farm Bureau building, so I had already done interviews with Governor John Bell Edwards, the Democrat who's vying for a second term as governor, and Louisiana 5th District Congressman, Republican Ralph Abraham, and so Republican businessman Eddie Rasponi. Finally, he got back with us, his people got back with us the day we were posting the other show. So it was like, okay, we got to find a way to get it in. We were out for a week at, you know, a work retreat. And then also I celebrated 10 years of marriage. So Congratulations. I, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. She hadn't killed me yet. Ample reason and opportunity. There's a story right uh, there. But, uh, you know, we, we had this time off that we had to take, not to mention my wife would have killed me had I said, sweetheart, no, no anniversary trip. We're, I got to interview Eddie Rasponi. So he was gracious enough to meet with us on Monday. And you know what? I can say this about all three of the candidates that we interviewed. They all seem to be speaking from a place where it's, it's genuine. They really believe that they're fit to lead this state, that their ideals and policies are what this state needs. And I think the voters of the state really have a tough choice. Um, but the important part is that you make a choice. Because, you know, we've got to go out and vote. Mm -hmm. This is very important. This is our future. This is our present, if you will. So –
0: One of the things I think that's worth mentioning is in the intervening time, um, Eddie Rasponi has spent a lot of money on advertising Mm -hmm. and has seen – a subsequent leap in the polls ahead of Abraham, which is kind of a surprise. I mean, for this entire time, Abraham has led him, but now there's that switch has been made.
1: Yeah, according to the last poll that I looked at, um, you had Governor John Bell Edwards at 47 percent, um, Eddie Risponi with 28 percent, and Ralph Abraham at now 17 percent. So there's starting to become some question about will there be a runoff and that sort of thing. I mean, we'll have to see. I mean, that's – you can have as many polls as you want to have, and I think we, we learned this in 2016 especially. It doesn't matter what the polls say. It matters who actually goes out sure. and votes. And we're fortunate in Louisiana that our farmers and ranchers always go out to vote. We're what they call chronic voters. So if you're listening to this, and it's before October 12th, make plans to go and vote. That's where you get to make your decisions, and it's really important. I have I think I may have missed two or three elections since I turned 18.
0: And the important thing there is do your research before mm-hmm. you go out because there are uh, constitutional amendments. There are other people in the ballot besides governor. That's actually something that
2: I've been super aware of. I think this is the first real election. I say real election, first major election since I've been in Baton Rouge, where there's a lot of local Mm -hmm. uh, attention. Like I say, attention, a lot of, there's obviously the governor, but there's also a lot of, uh, you know, Senate and representative and even like Bessie board. I've been seeing a lot in my mailbox, but there's a lot. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm voting for. (laughs) And that's what we were talking about this morning. I was like, I've got to to go and do some research on my own part because when I'm in Winsboro, it's a lot smaller. A lot less on the ballot. A lot less on the ballot. And it's a lot easier because you know everybody.
1: And that's not the case in Baton Rouge. And I've got to go and get to know some of these uh, candidates that are on the, on the ballot. When you brought up the state representative and state senator races, I mean, we had a lot of folks who are term limited who are not going to be coming mm-hmm. back. We mm-hmm. also have some people involved in agriculture over on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Carrie Martin interviewed a number of farmers and ranchers and people mm-hmm. involved in agriculture who are running for office. Mm-hmm. Just
0: three off the top of my head is Kevin Burkin, Troy Romero and uh, Ricky Pete, Gons- Yeah, uh, Ricky Gonceland and Pete Dufresne. Yes, yeah. five, yeah. four. They're yeah.
2: right there. So yeah, it's pretty cool seeing that. But and, and again, this comes back to I mean, with the world that we're living in, where we we're very attuned to those farmers that are out there running. But I can't vote for any of those guys <laughs> in Baton Rouge. So I've got to go and do the research. I can, yeah. you know, I can give my support to any of those guys all
0: I want, but it doesn't matter because they're not in my, uh, they're not on my ballot. One thing that I think is really interesting, and this really isn't related to what we normally have and content-wise in the show, but. The race for insurance commissioner is red hot right now. I mean, it is. Donald has a real, you know, he's the incumbent. And normally the incumbent, I mean, it's kind of a shoe in. I mean, I don't want to say anything about the commissioner of agriculture, for instance, is up for reelection. But. I mean, it's almost, you know, every time it's him, there's rarely ever any serious competition for that Mm -hmm. position. The same thing has been true about insurance commissioner, but not this time.
1: Yeah, Tim Temple, who is an insurance agent and has some very strong backing, he's a Republican and making a strong run for it. So you have two Republicans running against one another in the insurance commissioner's race. It's going to be a tough one for Jim Donlin, and, you know, it's going to mean a lot of a lot of campaign money has already been spent by Temple's campaign, and I see more and more ads coming up for Donlan as well. So, you know, it's I, I want to make I was going to make a disclaimer earlier, and I meant to do that. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation and its affiliated companies <laughs> do not endorse any candidate in a statewide election. So anything we say here is not to be construed as an endorsement. I just have to put that disclaimer there. But all of that said, There are some very interesting races and ones that we really need to to watch.
3: I will say this, though. The attention that we got from all of the major gubernatorial candidates, Mm -hmm. it's a testament to they know that Louisiana Farm Bureau has a powerful block of voters that do go out and vote, that we have, you know, a a strong voice for all of our members and that when they, you know, when they speak Mm -hmm. through and when Farm Bureau speaks the members listen. It's kind I of know. like
1: the old E.F. Hutton commercials. When oh. E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. Yeah. Right. <laughs> when, when, when Farm Bureau speaks, people listen. Well, it's true. But we're I not mean,
3: speaking for any candidate.
1: Right. Let me reiterate
0: that. But it's true, though. I mean, farmers, and, and the reason is, is that those laws and regulations really affect them, and they have to deal with that quite a lot um i interviewed a a guy who's a who's a lawyer as well as a farmer for and we'll talk about that more next in next week's show but one of the things we joked about is that's one of the hats farmers have to wear is being a lawyer you know you have to be aware of not only the current legislation but what's on the ballot and what comes up and it affects them and that's why farmers are so politically active
1: and i'll I'll, to kind of wrap up my thoughts on on at least the gubernatorial race Go out and, like Carl said, do your research. The best research you can get right now are those interviews that we did. They are in their entirety posted on YouTube and Facebook, so they're unedited. You, you watch it, and it's everything they said. And also about
2: those interviews, something that I thought was really cool that we got to do from the Farm Bureau side was we get to ask very specific ag-related questions. They're not. Those aren't the questions that they're getting asked. When the reporter gets one or two questions to get them, you know, on the six o'clock news, or but on a debate, or on a debate. That's mm-hmm. not. That's not the front of the uh, the discussion. But we got to bring that discussion to them, and they addressed issues um, like uh, ag tag- haulers, mm-hmm. tax exemptions, um, rural infrastructure. It's things that farmers care about. And I thought that was a really cool thing that we could offer to our our membership because.
0: Those questions aren't being asked. And they all had very good, well informed answers and discrete policy positions. Agree or disagree with them, but they all had uh, ideas on what is going on in the agriculture community and what should be emphasized pushing forwards. Speaking of moving forwards, let's move on to uh, this week. Carl, you've got a pretty sweet story. Ah, see what you did there. That's pretty good. (laughs) So, I
2: grew up in Franklin Parish. If anybody doesn't know that, they've probably never watched the show because I talk about it every oh, week. Oh, Franklin
3: Parish. Hush.
2: Hush. Wash towel.
3: I love Franklin Parish.
2: <laughs> Franklin Parish is uh, has two of the larger sweet potato operations in the state. And as Kristen mentioned on the show, also the the LSU Ag Center's Sweet Potato Research Station, mm-hmm. all in Franklin Parish. On the north side of the parish is uh, Black Gold or Dawson Farms, which is a, one of, I think, probably the largest, if I had to guess. And on the south side was Thornhill Farms, which is, mm-hmm. you know, I think I think they've Thornhills sold, have been very active. But they've been active for yeah, a, long time. a long, long time. So I was surrounded by it growing up. Never been to a Sweet Potato Farm. I've been to Lamb Weston and done stories multiple times there. Never been to a soup potato farm during harvest. And I I finally did it. I finally went there this year. You finally
0: went there to Acadia Parish. In Acadia (laughs) Parish, yeah.
2: Yeah. It takes me moving to Baton Rouge to to go do a story on it and, you know, three hours from home. But it was a really interesting story to go shoot. And it was just mind-blowing. It's so different from picking cotton. I mean, for the most part, cotton, corn, soybeans, rice, anything that's harvested by, you know, a combine or a cotton picker, it's pretty, Mm -hmm. you know, similar. This is a whole new, you know, whole new ball game.
0: The amazing thing about sweet potato growth, and, and, and this is just always, I, my heart goes out to them, because when you think about eating sweet potatoes, what do you think? When do you think? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. When else do you think? Actually, for me, it's almost all year round. I love those all suckers. Right, but too. they're known all year round and they're readily available all year round. But the big demand for them and the big time for them is Thanksgiving and, and last year. You know, right. And now they're pulling them in right now. So it, it, it's, I guess, my, my point is eat sweet potatoes. Be like Avery, eat them all year round. They're I'm really a good fan. for you. I brought like Kristen one. Yeah, I saw that. That was a so dirty nice. one. Uh, you brought <laughs> a her a dirty uh, potato.
3: Minuscule-sized sweet potatoes. not minuscule. I mean, compared to the ones I buy.
1: Okay, uh, I'm sorry, I say, you buy the jumbos. She gets the big ol' evangelins, you know? Yeah. I, you
2: mentioned they were dirty, and I thought the same thing at first, but I I believe, I was told this, that I think it helps them keep. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Okay, yeah, you so, leave you know, the dirt on You them. leave the dirt on them, it helps them keep, and I got actually a sack in my office. You can have more than just one, Kristen. Thank y'all you. Guess maybe I'll give you all one, too, I guess. I appreciate it. Um, but
0: thanksgiving they keep them in
2: the bag and they keep them dirty that way they'll keep longer and when you get ready to you know go cook a couple you wash those couple off and cook them however you want to it's pretty cool here's
3: a random question if you buy some sweet potatoes in the grocery store you you might not know the answer they're not dirty like that what if you go outside and take some dirt put them on (laughs) before you put them in your basket in your pantry
1: i don't I don't know. I didn't think you were going to know the answer. I don't to answer have that.
0: a clue about that. It yeah. sounds like a question for somebody at the LSU Ag Zone. Honestly, yeah.
2: if I had to guess, though, here's my educated guess, not my uneducated guess, actually, I w- don't think it would have the same effect. I think whenever they're
1: washed before they go to the store, they yeah, probably lose whatever they've got they some need kind of, in that.
3: Probably some kind yeah, of microbe. Probably so.
1: But we're used to you being uneducated. It's well, okay, Carl. I, we I wear that, that. hat. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Boom.
2: No. I know that in.
1: In some houses, especially when you go further up north, they actually have little trap doors in the pantry so that you can store your potatoes I've and seen the that like. Before. That actually on the ground and everything.
3: I had to stop Landon from putting them in the refrigerator because he doesn't understand that.
1: Oh, <laughs> no,
3: no. And onions. And I said, tomatoes. They need to be in a dark, cold, unrefrigerated area. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
2: To go back to this story, I right, thought it yeah. was, a, it was a really fun and interesting, but it was amazing. The orchestration. Yeah, I mean, he has. I want to say about a. It's an assembly
3: 140 line. hundred
2: forty-ish foreign labor workers, H two A workers, that are there, and it is an assembly line. They got three or I don't know, probably five or six harvest wagons going through the field. They're, they're harvesting two rows at a time, which mm-hmm. again, I guess, similar to sugarcane. It's two rows, and mm-hmm. so sugarcane's one or two rows, but corn and soybeans, you're looking at you know eight, twelve rows at a time. So it's just you're barely eking through a field, but yeah. it's probably 10 men on a wagon at a time hand-picking these things off a conveyor belt. And it's just a lot of labor. And then they're going and they're moving. It was, it was amazing. You know, I show some Joan video in the— Yeah, uh, you should watch that video. It's, it's pretty amazing. incredible seeing the—like like you said, how, the assembly line of—
3: How fast they
0: work. Oh, man, yep. it's crazy. Which is, you know, another part that's really hard for the sweet potato industry is finding that labor. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, some of those bigger guys—they have regular crews that come through, and they've worked with them for years. But man, it is just a labor-intensive. That that was going to be my
3: question to you, is because I'm sure that it was very cool that day that you went.
2: Yeah, it
0: was. No,
3: it wasn't. Oh, oh,
2: cool temperature? Yes. Oh no 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 no. (laughs) Would if you
3: had to if you had no other choice would you do that job?
0: Huh. Uh, can't
2: There's it. your
3: we gotta, answer. We gotta bring it
0: back. We gotta know. bring back reporting it would, for uh, duty. It would, we take, gotta bring it would back. take some acclamation and it, well, for sure.
2: Uh, yeah, it would take some getting used to. It. I mean, it's just not what we're used to. Sugar cane. That's is just the same another. Way. Yeah,
3: I mean, it's another point to prove the fact that you have to have it's, foreign yeah. labor. It's not a job I want to nobody go wants and, to go do, do that.
2: I would do it with a camera crew just to show that I do know how to work
1: and sweat, and I'm okay with it. Oh, do you? Well, the other I thing,
0: I mean, the, the other aspect of that is the migrant part of it. These mm-hmm. are people willing to move around. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there's not a lot. They don't have a lot of labor pool in these rural areas to to draw from to begin with. So, as Kristen said, migrant labor is absolutely a necessity. One thing, and I'm not going to talk down on this this
2: pool of workers, but one thing I did ask, I was asking Michael about, I said, hey, you've been doing this for two gener- two decades now, not generations, but he is a multi- multi-generational farm, but... I was like, I mean, have you seen a change in the type of workers that are coming? And he said, yeah, there is the workers that are coming here now are not the same. They're not working as hard. Uh, Mm -hmm. They don't have the same work ethic that they had 20 years ago. So a lot Mm -hmm. of those older workers, just like our generation we see here in America, Mm -hmm. you know, the the big claim you talked about millennials. We'll get there in a minute. But (laughs) he said that he's seeing a little bit of that trend, I don't think quite on the dramatic scale. He's seeing that same kind of trend that they they want their breaks and they take their breaks kind of. I mean that's like, which is they need their breaks. They work mm-hmm. their butts off. But he said he's just kind of seeing that trend a little bit towards more towards the the lazy American way. I'm doing air quotes for the people on uh, on audio. But it, it, I was just I was interested to hear that because you know we think of them as the hardest working people in America are mm-hmm. not from America and. It was, it was just. Well, they still are. Here. I mean, they're, yeah, they're still they're still the hardest working. But I just thought it was interesting him saying that there's there's a little bit of shift, and I thought that was just yeah, an interesting well, little tidbit.
0: As long as they keep coming, I think that's what most farmers are. That's what they about. want, and that's what we all want. Well, speaking of brown and being grown in the ground, cotton. Have you guys ever heard of brown I, cotton?
3: Yes, I, and you would have too if you'd watch the Ag Minute from 2011. Oh, actually, I or do 2010.
0: That. Yeah, you had put that in there. You did a, a brown, well, I, I'd i never had it. it.
3: was different colors. I was sick maroon. of
0: that. Maroon? Yeah, sure. So, uh, maroon, too?
3: She, purple? In, in the
2: story, Tammy talks about brown and green, mm-hmm. some hints of brown well, and green. Well, those
3: are the original colors. Is that the,
2: okay. They right. like got hybrid According versions. to the Ag Minute. Interesting. Yeah. i do have to go look it up. Is I it, wasn't even producer on YouTube? show at that time. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah, I yeah, I wasn't even here. Was Ag Minute, yeah. the history yeah. of cotton. In, Were you born yet? I was in high school.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm fighting the urge to go brown chicken, brown cotton. Yeah, wow. But you said it, it just anyway. Doesn't work it, yeah, it? yeah. So you're fighting it, like, didn't fight <laughs> Tammy hard enough.
0: Got this story from a producer who's growing all of two rows of it. Is that? I, I don't. I, I, it's, 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 it's probably eight or ten. Yeah, it's ten. not very many, but it's he's keeping this heritage alive, and it's really interesting. Uh, you know, to to see it and to uh, go back and experience this this throwback. Really, it's a throwback in many ways. One of which is it's hand-picked. Mm-hmm. He goes
2: through and hand picks it with a five gallon bucket, and he dumps it in the bucket. Man. And he has a hand ginner. I say a hand ginner; it's motorized, but he fe- it's hand fed. Okay, a hand fed ginning machine, like small gin, hmm. and it's motorized, and it's just picking those seeds right out. I was blown away when I watched. I was like, "That's so cool! I want to go see how this works." I remember as so a kid. So what's he doing with it? He sells it to uh, he sells it to people that are looking to make like use it for like. Uh, Natural um, coloring, and they use it for like garments, just hmm. like you would any other thread. Hmm. But it's the all natural, no no dyes, he has no chemicals on it. Um, it's just neat.
0: But what hey, more power say to is, him, that market is emerging big time. What
2: I thought was neat was I've, as a kid, I remember going and picking cotton by hand, I mean, enough to make a, a pillow, again, air quotes, <laughs> because it would be, you know, enough to fill up my hand now. But um, I remember going through and trying to by hand. Take the seeds all out. Mm -hmm. And it was the biggest pain, you know, literally a pain in my fingers. And I thought it was neat that he has that little ginning machine. And I was like, man, seven year old Carl would have loved that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was just, it was a neat story. I was, because he's a lazy millennial. Lazy millennial. Dang, she brought that back. Wow. You're a
0: lazy millennial too.
3: I'm an elder millennial, and I'll put you underneath this table. Don't do
0: that. She no will, too. No time for love, Dr. Jones. Speaking of which, that's uh, Twyla Boost this week. That's a really neat, uh, neat little funny it's video. It's funny. Yeah.
3: It, I'm sure that millennial farmers
0: mm-hmm.
3: might take offense to it.
0: Is it a
2: millennial farmer? I haven't seen the video yet.
3: The guy has a Facebook page, and he does a lot of videos. He's the uh, Minnesota millennial Farmer, I think that's the name of the Facebook page. Okay, um, and we'll put a
2: link of it, link to it in yes.
1: the. Yes. Uh, uh, I've Hold seen on. it. Hold on, I
3: think it's Minnesota. mn M-M? mn That's Minnesota. Minnesota. Okay, yeah, I just didn't a, want you to say it. Was it. Montana? No, no, I didn't. I knew it wasn't Montana. I just didn't want to say it and sound no, like an idiot. No,
0: nope. <laughs> I'll, I'll do that enough for everybody. Montana's M T. Duh. All right. Well. Uh,
1: <laughs> so there are people there.
3: Huh?
0: barely (laughs) hey hey i want to go there i do too looks like a great place to vacation russia not right now of course it's under like four feet of snow what that's alaska i know do you though yeah what's happening right now (laughs) freaking millennials (laughs) don't know geography
3: I was wondering if somebody would pick it up. And just haha, ha, it's in this, it's in the, it's closer than Louisiana.
0: It definitely is. And those guys have gotten. Did you see that they got four feet of snow in Montana? No. In Montana? yeah. Uh, oh jeez. Yeah. And then, and it's weird because it's like this little pocket. And I, I've read reports where they're, they're, they've avoided the first frost in most of the grain growing areas in the Midwest. But that area, Montana mm. and uh, northern part, I think of uh, Minnesota, got 48 inches of snow. Good lord. God. If I want to go there. I
2: was reading just reading a book about it's set there, and I'm just like, man, not enough of a read about it. I just mm-hmm. want to go visit there. So that's be my next my next weekend getaway. I'll
3: take 48 inches of snow compared to this. Oh yeah, hey, it's cooling off next week. Will, I think
0: cool front is coming.
3: Uh, to, we're all supposedly anticipating that.
0: Somebody, somebody air said quotes. It, it's cooling off to upper 80s. Speaking of next week, we will have a new field to feast featuring Jennifer Finley. Where's she going? Do you know?
2: Um, I think next week she is at the New Orleans Fish House. Um, where she and Chef Tori McPhail go through, and they talk with the owner there at the fish house, and it's just a market. They're bringing in all kinds of fish. They, they, I think they have some blue crab there. and they're, they're looking through, and they're taking their pick. I don't even remember what they bring, but they're taking some fish, some fresh seafood, back to Chef right. Tori's house, and they're cooking it up Ooh. in
0: his kitchen. Which his is home good, kitchen. because October is National Seafood Month. Hey, there we go. That all worked right. out perfect. Well, we'll see that story and a lot more next week. I want to thank Kristen Oaks and Avery Davidson and Carl Wiggers on behalf of them. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.
2: If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe and share it with a friend. You can also support this podcast by completing a short survey on our website at twilighttvorg podcasts. We would also really appreciate it if you would leave us a review wherever you're listening right now, be that Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. The Twilight After Show podcast is brought to you by the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Louisiana Farm Bureau is the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you again right here next week.